morning show, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. So I'll give you a chance to redo your opinion here. Oh, okay. Yes, I won't, but go ahead. Yesterday, I asked you what was more likely. Austin Matthews scores 70 this season. It has to be this season because, yeah. I mean, we're about to go to 40 teams in the NHL where it's, you know, every game is, <laughs> is 10-2, <laughs> uh, which actually might impact. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, yeah, uh, no. second mm-hmm. Whatever. Or maybe not. Maybe that won't happen until both guys are out of the league. But, uh, okay, what's more likely? Austin Matthews this season scores 70. Now on pace for 71 after yesterday's hat trick. Or Connor McDavid at some point in his hockey playing career as a 10-point game. You're, this is yeah. the last opportunity I'm going to give to you because sure. if he scores a hat trick tomorrow, It's and he's on pace for 73, 74 yeah. oh, goals. You won't let me then. Sorry, All buddy. Right. Ship has sailed. You took Connor McDavid because you hate the Leafs and Austin Matthews. You have a chance to revise that statement today. Yeah, no, everyone. It, uh, famous Leaf hater. Uh-huh. Everyone everyone knows you that. You think they're the center of the hockey universe? You're like, oh, too much credit to Austin Matthews. No, I just like, I think I'm fetting the, the one day Leaf, Connor McDavid. No, mm. it's still going to, like, look, if you're going to give me the two options, the actual answer to this is the taco kid. Why not both? But <laughs> yeah. if you're telling me I got to pick one, I'm going to take the the lifetime of Connor McDavid as opposed to one season from mm. Austin Matthews to do a thing. But again, I am not ruling out the possibility of the taco kid. Why not both? Mm-hmm. And But I, give me one. I'm taking McDavid. Well, lifetime. How about Austin Matthews scoring 10 goals in a hockey game? Because we know he, he did, he's not going to add on the assist. He'll just score That's 10 right. goals in a hockey game. Uh, the first hundred po- hundred goal player here. Have you have you looked at the standings after yesterday's result? No, I. It's funny. I actually every morning when I'm like half foggy looking at my phone, I mm-hmm. grab it and I look at the standings and I go, I don't even know if this is updated from yesterday. And then I, that's that. That <laughs> is that is the last time I look at it. I got to be perfectly honest with you. Just four thirty every morning, I go. Yeah, yeah, who knows if that updated or not? I don't know. All right, four thirty. I don't know. Unless you're like, yeah, you think, reading a newspaper. Yeah, I, that's what I do is I get yesterday's paper and read it at 430 in the morning. No, the updated standings look a little different. Okay. Not as far as where the Leafs you are. You want to regale me with your tales of the Leafs missing the playoffs more? No, or? no, no, no. Because no. no, that obviously you win a hockey game. That doesn't make that more likely, uh, especially when the Devils lose a hockey game. Penguins won, but yeah, there's still the Islanders between them and that second wild card spot, which is held, uh, still held down by the Detroit Red Wings with their 60 points. Uh, four points back in the Maple Leafs, and the Leafs have a game in hand on Detroit. No, we have a new leader atop the Atlantic Division. Florida oh, Panthers. We do. Florida Panthers have now overtaken the Boston Bruins, who lose to Seattle. I was watching a little bit of that game, especially in the, interm- in the intermissions yesterday. Yeah. And the Bruins were up one nothing. Shots were 11-1 in favor of Boston in that mm-hmm. game. They lost, I think, 4-1. Oh, boo-hoo. It's happened to the Leafs a billion times. Sure. All of a sudden, the Bruins have lost three consecutive. They're no longer in first place in the Atlantic Division. And if... Yeah, the Leafs go on a bit of a heater because they also have two games in hand on the Bruins. Like, there's just the idea that the Leafs can't finish in a top three spot in the Atlantic or in the second spot in the Atlantic or that they can't compete atop the Atlantic division. Like, that's not out of the realm of possibility yet either. I I Hmm. think if we go roster for roster and, again, matching eye test with results that we saw prove a concept with the Panthers in the postseason last year. That seems like the the better bet to continue to play this way all season long. But Matthew Kachuk was also a heart trophy candidate a season ago. It's uh, 
the Eastern Conference is, is wide open. And yeah, it also does open up the possibility of the Leafs dropping a little further down that, yeah, you don't get what I think we would agree is a more gettable Bruins team, especially mm-hmm. considering the goaltending. Yes. You get a rematch against the Panthers. Yeah, you don't want you don't want a rematch against the Panthers. That's pretty clear. Like I I have said I, I think that this, this is still true, that you can make a case that, yeah, the best version of the Rangers, you don't want that. If the Devils find a goalie, you don't want that. Like I can make the case for that. The Panthers have been the most consistent team kind of in the second or the, you know, middle third of the season here. I think the other thing you look at it though is I, I'm gonna just say it before. I'll say it again. I don't think the Leafs are going to be in tough to make the playoffs. I don't think they're going to be looking at those wild card spots. They are going to be the second or third team in the Atlantic. They can catch Boston. I don't know that they will. They don't, but it, it, stop saying Boston because Boston's not in first anymore. No, I said they'll be the second or third oh, place. Okay. That's why I'm saying I think they can catch Boston to become the second place team. I don't think they're going to catch Florida. I understand Boston and Florida have the same amount of points, but I think that one of those teams started off hot, has been cooling down. The other team started off cool and has been kind of rising in the Panthers. So I think that the Leafs kind of ceiling of where they can finish, they could win the division, but I think it's most likely they kind of finish in second or third the pretty Le- easily. The Leafs are so counterintuitive with both their home record and their record against the lesser lights in the National Hockey League. Mm -hmm. Because they do have, factually, one of the worst records against the bottom five teams in the NHL of any team currently in a playoff position. But as a result of that, having the record that they do, you've got to make up those wins somewhere. It's against the better teams. Mm -hmm. That you look at them having a top five hardest schedule in the second half of the season as actually a positive for them. (laughs) Yeah, you know, yeah, I, I honestly do. No, you're not wrong. That there are games that, one, have their retention because of their place in the standings, and two, are better teams. Like, they still have two Vegas games upcoming, one of them on the road, uh, coming up at the conclusion of this Morgan Riley suspension. It might be the game immediately after, mm-hmm. or if it's knocked down a game, uh, two games. Like, he'll have yep. returned by uh, a game by that point. I think I look at the fact that they have these tougher games on their schedule is actually more fuel to the fire that they're they're primed for a second half run. Well, and if you if you are going to, you know, and again, I think Brian Burke was right when he said Pittsburgh model my ass, and I think there's something to that about the Florida model, but if you're a believer in that of finding your footing and becoming the best version of yourself and playing playoff tested teams and being battle tested down the stretch. It's a very different. Again, I'm not a believer that the Leafs are going to be scratchy inclined to get in. But if you're a believer that that is beneficial to you, it's also beneficial to just be battle tested and going against tough teams heading into the playoffs. And I think that's what you're seeing with the Leafs get. Uh, it is what we're seeing with the Leafs get. Uh Penguins picked up a much needed victory yesterday as well against a Chicago Blackhawks team that was welcoming back Connor Bedard wearing the fishbowl. My kid asked me a very salient question. Mm-hmm. Like, why did they do the fishbowl instead of the the cage? Because, and your yeah. argument will be, well, visibility. But I mean, fog. So, yeah. Yeah. But what? Hold on. You're saying that but that's an argument against the fishbowl. No, no. I'm, that's what I was saying. I would say that would be the obvious. Like, if somebody's saying, like, oh, why the fishbowl? They would, no, that but would be the concern. nobody does the cage no. in the NHL. It's because they're used to wearing visors coming up. So it's the vi- the fishbowl is closest to a visor as opposed to a cage. I guess so. I, like I'm going to like Matthew Nyes. He's now worn a visor for a while. Mm. I wonder if right after college hockey broke his nose, would he wear a fishbowl or would he wear a cage? Because he was used to wearing a cage. Yeah. Because that's what they typically, they, there are more cages in college hockey. I don't know. Something to think about. All right. All right, time now for our... I, quickly, I'm so happy you brought up this super nerdy hockey thing to me. I'm very happy about that. Good job by you. Thank you. All right, time now for our Insider, brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. 
Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Today's insider, Scott Hartnell, NHL Network Analyst, 17-year NHL 4. How's it uh, going, Scott? And third, Sedin Triplett, always. Always. Uh, life is good, man. Yeah, just uh, enjoyed uh, calling the game yesterday. It was a, a good one, the Flyers versus Maple Leafs. And, yeah, just uh, just enjoying life after hockey, getting into the media a little bit like you guys. And uh, it's just been a lot of fun. So what did you make of that game? Because, uh, yeah, Leafs looked pretty pretty awful, honestly, in that first period. That power play was embarrassing uh, in the shorthanded goal. Uh, they surrendered to the, the Flyers. Then uh, Austin Matthews happened in the second period, and then they gave it all back <laughs> in the third period. It did feel like one team who has less skill but just cares a little bit more, and eventually just the team with the more skill who, who was able to, to – to ratchet up the the, the Carol meter just to, uh, enough to win the hockey game did end up with the two points. How did you view it? Well, there's an old saying, I'm sure you guys know, that hard, hard work beats skill when skill doesn't work hard, right? And, and I think the Flyers, uh, that's been their MO, uh, you know, since John Tortorella joined the team uh, last year, right? It's it's uh, uh, a team that works for hard first and, and the skill will show up. Uh, they don't have the, the players that, you know, a Maple Leafs have or the Edmonton Oilers or Tampa Bay Lightning, but man, they work their tails off and, and they're, they're a fun team to, to cover because it's, it's a different line every night it's a different uh deep pairing that uh, you know makes the blocks and makes the plays. so it's, it's not the flashy hockey but it's hockey that's been you know really successful this year and a team that cares for each other and you, you look at last night it was you know like you said i think the flyers dominated that first period uh you know and then it was the austin matthews show in that second period man he can shoot that puck and and get open to take the he could have four or five alone in that second period so yeah, he really took over the game, and and what impressed me the most about Matthews was just his his work ethic defensively, coming back, uh, creating turnovers on the back check was, was absolutely incredible. So the Flyers got stung a little bit, and and then like you said, it just kind of the grind game of the Flyers, uh, getting pucks deep, kind of run, you know running their D turnovers, and and uh, it, it was a pretty entertaining game, uh, you know, all in all. And, and like you said, it was uh, the skill of of the Maple Leafs uh, in overtime, three on three, lots of ice. It was a great change. Uh, by Matthews and Marner changing it, you know, 38 seconds into that because they knew that the Flyers had tired guys, get new bodies on the ice for them, and, and it worked out just a great uh, uh, game uh, game plan implemented. Yeah, and, uh, you know, this is a little inside Leafs, but they've been bit pretty bad on the the, the big boys kind of hanging out late in, in overtime at a few times this year. So, yeah, it was uh, very, very nice to see. You know, you mentioned it there, Matthews, the, the well-rounded game, we talk about him every day, and, and we're floored, and we're surprised, you know, from somebody who, you know, you, you see him a lot, I know, but it's not an everyday thing for you. What is it that jumps out about Matthews? I mean, we've seen great goal scorers in this league before, but, you know, he's on pace for 70. We thought 60 was nuts, and he did that, and all of a sudden McDavid gets 64. I, I don't know that he's going to get to 70, but just what do you see from Matthews that kind of sets him apart? I think the great thing about all of the, you know, nobody's Connor McDavid, but if you want to kind of have this upper echelon of the league with Matthews and McDavid and McKinnon, I, I think what's so special is they're all – very, very different players. What is it about Matthews that kind of separates himself or or differentiates him from those other great guys to you? Well, he's a big body, and uh, you know, one of our producers uh, yesterday is like he's the closest guy that resembles Mario Lemieux, uh, just the way that he plays the both uh, both uh, both ends of the ice, the way that he can just dominate with his size, uh, his you know puck moving. 
uh, abilities. You know, he's, he's obviously a shooter first, but he can make those unbelievable passes. And, uh, you know, you're as good as your line mates too, right? <laughs> you, you can't expect a, a third, fourth liner to get, you know, 20 goals even, right? And, and he's on the first line. He's getting every opportunity. He's playing with, you know, one of the best playmakers in the league too. So Marner's uh, got to be up there for um, – you know, one of the best playmakers in the league and, and, you know, that duo and, you know, whoever's on that left side, it's, it's pretty incredible to watch, watch those guys kind of work magic every, every night. Right. And, you know, it'd be, it'd be awesome to see these guys practice every day, right. Just kind of how they see each other, where they know each other's going to be on the ice. It's it's an underrated uh, uh, thing that, that people grow that chemistry together and and every day, you know, uh, just the nuances of where they're going to be. And and sometimes like, well, how did they know that he's going to be there? And, And, the sick players in this league know where their uh, you know counterparts on the ice are. So it's pretty incredible to watch those guys wheel and deal. God, Marner wanted to get him his fourth so badly. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it almost cost him, right? Like the Leafs looked like they were running away with that game. And like, ah, the, the result has already been uh, decided here. We've decided we're going to show mm-hmm. up. And as a result, we're up 3-1. Now it's time for... Uh, racking up uh, some individual accomplishments. Cookie monsters. Yeah. I mean, did that get away from him a little bit in that game? Well, it, it, that punt was a power play where they had like two or three opportunities. Yeah. And yeah, you almost had an empty net. And you're, you're trying to look for your buddy. You know, maybe it's a little bit of uh, unselfishness that kind of gets you in trouble too, right? That you, you love to score goals. I love to score goals right around that net, right? And you had the the opportunity to take that shot and, and you make one more pass and, you know, then it's gone the other way. Right. And what could have been if you just put it in the, uh, the empty net or, or a chance mm-hmm. to, to, to go up uh, four to one. So it, <laughs> I get where they're going with that and all, all the, the great plays, but give the Flyers credit, man. They, they play, they play a hard nosed game and, you know, down three, one, you, you never know what can happen. Right. And then they score, uh, you know, two goals in a minute and one second, I think, and, and, uh, you know, tie the game and get a huge point for the, for the Metro uh, uh, standings for us. So, yeah, I mean, that was a, that, that was a, a big point there. I do want to kind of dive back to those, to the flyers for a second there. I mean, Tortorella has been the gift that keeps on giving. I, I was joking that in terms of newsmakers in the NHL this year, he might be top five in terms of guys we've talked about just with all of his comments and defending Kevin Hayes. And, you know, he called it a dumb league yesterday. Are you surprised that a coach that takes such a, you know, harder nose, aggressive tact works in today's NHL? I mean, he had the comments yesterday talking about how players are just different. They come into the league in a different way. And, you know, the world's always going to change. I don't begrudge that so much, but I, I have to be honest. I'm, I'm not surprised that it's working, but I'm surprised everything seems to be so rosy in Philly. But I guess the winning and, and it working go hand in hand with that. It, it's it's amazing, you know, when I came in the league and, you know, Tortorella was with Tampa Bay, you know, when they won their cup in 04, I believe, but uh, it, it was, it was, there was no days off, right? It was, it was, you come in, you watch film, like he was saying yesterday for 30, 40 minutes. And it got like, you know, for me, my attention span is, is five minutes. And I think Tortorella has <laughs> kind of realized that after, his, you know, 15, 20 years of coaching that, you know, you, you only have two or three clips, you know, to, to show, to really kind of hit home your point. Right. So it's, it's been a lot less video. I think that he showed ever in his career, uh, a lot more days off than he's ever shown before. The athletes are in good shape. He didn't have to worry about, you know, kind of bagging them in, in uh, November and December, uh, you know, kind of keep that shape up. The players take care of themselves and, and, uh, you know, all, all that kind of fun stuff, right? So he's he's adapted his coaching style, like he says, and 
you know, he is good for some sound bites, just for calling it a dumb league. And, you know, you talk to some of these kids and they're like, how is this guy in the NHL? Like, yeah. you know, he's just talking gibber gibberish, really, right? <laughs> uh, but it's, uh, it, it is funny just to, to see it. But, you know, he knows how to get a room together. He knows how to bring guys together and makes it fun. And, and you know, the days off are great, right? Uh, I would love to play 82 games and maybe a couple practices throughout the year. But, you know, the first 15 years wasn't like that, right? In the last couple, I think coaches realized that you need you need some breaks in the game, the breaks from each other, and then you come to the rink, you're actually excited to, to be to the rink other than, you, you know, you've been there for eight days in a row and, you know, you've watched video for a half an hour. So it's amazing how, how he's evolved and, and you know, stay relevant and, um but like I said, the, the, the Flyers got a great group of guys that care for each other. Uh, and like you said, him and him and Kevin Hayes last year might not have seen eye to eye, you know, in just the way that, uh, you know, maybe he approached the game or, you know, maybe some, uh, you know, uh, work level uh, kind of things. And, and uh, you know, he got traded to St. Louis and, and it's kind of changed the dynamic of the room. Uh, D'Angelo, uh, you know, a nice guy, uh, but maybe Torrell didn't see that, that kind of personality fitting in that locker room. Mm. And so a couple guys, uh, Provorov was the other guy that uh, um, they sent packing, right? So it, it's those kind of things that, you know, those three guys gone and, you know, some new guys, young guys, young blood come in and it's like, wow, this is a, this is a, this is fun. You know, this is great. Not that it wasn't fun last year, but mm-hmm. just totally different than the, and he has that kind of, that mindset that he's going to do what he wants to do and the scratches and all that stuff. It's all him, but uh, heck it works if you buy in and, and everyone's bought in, which is awesome. Yeah. And they're exceeding expectations. So it's, it's hard to criticize them. But yeah, is it a dumb league? Yeah. Scott, is it a dumb league? Do you agree? Is it a dumb league that guys come in with all the skill in the world and you're right, they treat their bodies a whole lot differently? And their entourages. Oh. You you were a big entourage guy, I can tell. <laughs> is it a dumb well, league, uh, Scott? Oh, uh, just what happened with the Flyers this year, I won't say it's a dumb league, but you know, when, when a young kid when a young kid like Cutter Gauthier says, I, I love, I want to be a flyer and then changes his tune because mm. John Tortorella or one of the management people said to him, you know, we're, we're not guaranteeing you a spot. You know, you got to earn it. Like you might have to spend some time in Lehigh Valley and they look at him and the, the red carpet's been rolling out for this kid for, since he's been 11 years old saying you're the next, you know, Wayne Gretzky. You can't, you can't, you can't spend time in the minors. Like, you know, why don't you prove it to your, to yourself and prove it to me and prove it to your family. You can come in and, work for that spot and score 40 goals in your first year, right? And, like, and, and the thing is with Torrance, he would play this kid, that Cutter Gochi, if he came here, probably 25 minutes a night, if he's as good as everyone's saying he's going to be. So I, I just think, uh, is, it, is it a dumb league or is it uh, a different league than what it was uh, 20 years ago? Absolutely. It's, uh, that, that stuff wouldn't have happened. And, and uh, you know, uh, I think the Flyers are better off for it, so. How good is that first Ducks game in Philly going to be with with Cutter Goche there? Like, you know, Philly loves a villain as is, and he really, really stepped in it. Like, how good is that crowd going to be getting on him? Like, the Leafs are not beyond this. Like, this local kid, Sean Dursey, came in here a couple years ago and, like, took one run at a guy and he got booed for the entirety of a game. I can only imagine the way the uh, Philly faithful will be on Goche uh, whenever he eventually makes his debut there. I, I wouldn't be surprised. You know how they do the schedules, and, you know, it's not like they have, uh, mm. you know, a few guys around the ta- table, uh, you know, putting in the schedules, right? It's a computer program, I would assume, right, with the days off and concerts <laughs> and stuff. I, I wonder if the Flyers leak, leak 
when that game, when Anaheim comes uh, to Philadelphia before the season actually, uh, the schedule comes out in July, <laughs> just be like, hey, just an FYI, Anaheim's coming early in October, mm. <laughs> you know? Uh, so it, it, it will be fun, and you know, there'll be a lot of hoopla for it, but at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's just another game, and, uh, you know, I'm sure the Flyers will be moved on by then, and, and you know, I wish all, all the best to this kid. If you if you got to talk like that, you better – you know, walk to walk. So I, I, I'm excited to see this guy's career, kind of go chase career. And, and uh, you know, Jamie Drysdale, the guy we got, and a, and a second rounder, it's a pretty good haul for uh, for him. And, and he's, he's going to be a heck of a player, uh, being this young 21-year-old uh, right-to-shot defense. And so it's, uh, I'm pretty pretty pumped up for this guy. Yeah, I can't wait. Like, honestly, like, I, I know you wouldn't particularly be too, you know, uh, lo- much loving this, but, like, how great would it be he goes in and has an awesome game and you just got a new villain in, in Philly. I know it's a duck and it won't matter all that much other than the one time a year, but we need rivalries in the sport, so I uh, I wouldn't hate it. Uh, I had to ask you about one more before we let you go. Yeah. There's, been, there's yeah. been a lot of noise about Craig Berube. Now, the Sheldon Keefe noise has kind of died down in this market, but there is a belief that if they're going to make a move, that's the guy. He's done the job before of joining a team as an interim. Now, didn't go quite as well in St. Louis when he joined you guys as the, the head coach in Philly. But what is uh, Barube like as a coach to play for? How much of this, you know, a, a hard-nosed coach who's going to get in your face and tell you, you know, how to go about your business? I sometimes that stuff think that stuff is overstated, but you'd know as, as well as anybody. What's it like to uh, to work under Barube or have him coach you? And specifically when he, when he kind of, you know, I know was an assistant as opposed to coming in from the outside but what's it like having Barube take over partway through a year yeah you know for, for Chief he was uh, a great assistant coach for five years I think it was and then you know coming into head coach he didn't change much to the you know the kind of leadership group that you know kind of I was a part of but uh, he, he, he number one he's a great great person right and he wants everyone to do well but like you said he's demanding he wants everyone to do the right way it's, a, it's probably a lot different system than uh, what Toronto's playing now you know take care of your own end first you have to play defense and then you know you get the skill and the speed will come right out of your zone and get going but uh, you know he doesn't mince words he's very direct which which I think is, is important in today's NHL to know where you stand and uh, you know, it, you know, not to say it would be a good thing for them because, uh, uh, you know, keeps doing a heck of a job there as well. But uh, he, he, it won't be long before he's back uh, behind the bench as well. So, yep, uh, it might be as as soon as this off season. Scott, uh, appreciate the time. This is awesome. Thanks for this. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, guys. Anytime. Uh, Scott Hartnell, NHL Network analyst, seventeen year NHL forward, uh, and he was our insider. Brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus. Where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom, visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Again, like I have a a predetermined opinion, not predetermined, but like I have a, I have my little feelings about John Tortorella, feelings. Uh, John Tortorella, and and his dabbling in our industry a little bit, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, his yeah, disdain you're, towards you're the media. You're just a thin-skinned media guy, and yeah. also like the um, the cockiness yeah. that's part of it, and. But boy, yeah. I, I couldn't agree more with that type of sentiment where it's like, Cutter Goche, like, yeah, maybe you're going to be amazing and that's all well and good. And we're going to give you every opportunity to prove to us that you're amazing and deserve all the things mm-hmm. that you think you deserve. But the idea that we're just going to hand it to you, mm-hmm. it's out freaking rageous. What are you talking about? Yeah, it, it, it is. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm. It's funny because, you know, Verbeek really seems to be trying to turn the worm in Anaheim there. There's a reason maybe Zegris isn't as popular or part of the long-term plans as he maybe once was. But that 
it's it's very jarring that that's the guy that mm-hmm. Verbeek goes out and gets of like, hmm, a complainer who wants everything handed to him. Mm-hmm. He'll fit right in with what I'm building here. And obviously that's a little unfair to Cutter Goche. We don't know what happened behind the scenes, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's just very, it's a little odd for a, for a Ducks team that seems to be trying to go so business, 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 business to get that guy. And hey, if you think the asset's worth it, you, you mm-hmm. go up and make the play, I understand. But yeah, it's a... It's it's a little telling when an organization that has the reputation the Ducks have says, mm-hmm. "Oh, give me that guy," whereas the where the Flyers are saying, "You know what? We're good." Mm-hmm. A little jarring. Yeah, it's a dumb league. It's dumb. Dumb do you, league. Do you think it's a dumb league? Yes, I think all le- all the leagues are dumb. No smart leagues. <laughs> what about the chess league? No, but I bet even there they're like, "Oh, we got to change these rook rules or whatever." I don't you know, no, chess. No, I don't. Think no, I do. I bet you. No, you know what? I bet you there are chess people who are whenever change the when, rook whenever, rules. Whenever okay, like a fundamental. I'll give rule you. Of I'll chess. give you a different one. Whenever all that stuff was going on with the chess cheating, I yeah, feel like you saw was, vague stories. But that about was pretty this. smart that they were able to okay, cheat that way. But I bet Not you. Dumb. Okay, it was smart when the Astros did it, and I bet you there are chess people being like the czar of chess. Whoever that is, Bobby Fisher, the Jeff ghost of chess. Him, Jeff Chess, he didn't do a good enough job. I bet I bet you there are people going, the chess czar, Jeff Chess, should have done a better job. Like, I do think that happened. Dumb league. They're all dumb, dumb leagues. League. God, I'm a golf fan. They're all dumb leagues. All right. Wait, you think one's not? I think I think chess is beyond reproach when it comes they to They had a cheating scandal, and to my knowledge, I that know. guy was not thrown uh, in the gulag. It's tough for me to call Magnus, whatever his name is, the Jeff guy. Jeff Chess. No, I uh, like that way better. The, the, he's dumb. I don't know. He's pretty, uh, pretty again, smart. He's not dumb. The league is. Mm, interesting. But, yeah, dude, Tortorella's not saying that Gary Bettman's dumb. No. He's saying the players are dumb. Uh, I think he's saying the culture's dumb. And I I actually think people on all sides would agree with that. People who are mm. agreeing with Tortorella would be like, agreed. Mm. And people who vehemently disagree with him would go, agreed. Well, I mean, here's the best defense you can make of John Tortorella calling it a dumb league. It's like most things in the world are dumb. Like, there's a lot of like, oh, would you say like over 50% of the things are dumb? Yeah. That I, you encounter? What's the What's the old line of like, imagine the average person you meet and 50% of the people are dumber than that. Yeah. Yeah. And the hammers at home. <laughs> all right. Uh, as mentioned earlier in today's show, Santana coming to Budweiser stage this summer, June 26th with Counting Crows as part of their oneness tour to enter for a chance to win tickets. Text in today's code word oneness to 59590. Again, that is oneness to 59590. We have another pair of tickets to give away on Monday show. But if you don't win with us, uh, tickets officially on sale today, 10 a.m. Eastern time on Ticketmaster.ca. When we come back, Major League Baseball spring training underway been uh, too long since we talked to our next guest, Adnan Verk of MLB Network and the Cinephile Podcast. As the Fan Morning Show continues, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL, the J.D. Bunkus Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 5.9 of the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. So Major League Baseball spring training is underway. Pitchers and catchers reporting all over the place. Joey Votto Instagramming everywhere just in case you wanted to know. Yeah, that's right. I just wanted to update the people in case yeah. you were going to. No, no. I, listen, the day you took off sick, I mentioned it then too. You did? Oh, yeah. Of course you did. Um, 
So the games, when the spring training games start, like, nothing matters. Yeah, I was going to say, oh, you're going to have a takeaway? No, no. nothing Thank matters. God. Here's what matters, though. What's happening to the Orioles on the first couple of oh days of spring? Oh, my God. <laughs> you, sent me that, you sent me that screenshot of Buddy's <laughs> timeline? Oh, yeah. There's a sampling. Like, oh, God. Oh, goodness. Here's a sampling. And they still got depth here. And who knows? Like, guys, just, we still got more than a month until opening day. But Kyle Bradish, UCL injury. John Yuck. Means, he's also hurt. Ugh. Gunnar Henderson, hurt of him? Oh, my God. Oblique injury. Nice ah, he's going to be fine. He'll be back for opening day, maybe, probably. Sure. Yeah. We've seen those things no, linger. Have, no, no. Honestly, a guy's never had an injury early in spring training with them saying he'll be fine and then mm. not lingered all year long. Correct. Anywho, I'm sure the Orioles will be fine and are about to start their, like, decade and a half run of dominance. I mean, they started last year well, by winning the division. But doors they... open now. They can go get Bellinger and Snow. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I mean, honestly, you don't think Scott Boris is waiting for some significant injury mm-hmm. from somebody to up the asking price on his dudes? Anyways, we're wasting too much time because we haven't talked to Adnan Verk in a while. Uh, MLB Network, Cinephile Podcast. How's it going, Adnan? I'm doing great, fellas. Always good to catch up with you both. Um, I, I, I remember the last time I teased you by saying I had a quick Raptors story. What mm-hmm. happened at Christmas? Well, it's really quickly. So oh, went yeah. to the Raptors game. Did not did not bug Devlin for tickets this time. I said, okay, one every five years is good. Mm-hmm. So I went on StubHub, bought a couple of tickets. And I saw a lower bowl, and it was like, you know, 119. I go, that's pretty good. And again, with the dollar working in my favor, I go, oh, yeah. American money, that's like, you know, $80. This is great. It's like five bucks. My like, yeah. question to both is this. How, how, how tough is it to watch an NBA game when you're only behind one end? Yeah. Like, I, I've done it for hockey, and it, I, it's okay. But for basketball, it was dreadful. And so after the first half, I'm literally just eyeing open seats. And in the second half, I took my son <laughs> and he moved down. And afterwards, I said this to our boy, Cabby, and Cabby goes, you can't do that. I said, why not? He goes, somebody's going to recognize you blatantly yeah. moving down to smaller seats. And I go, what is the harm in that? He goes, well, you can't do that. First of all, you're like a media personality. You worked for the Raptors. Like, oh, it was 15 years ago. Nobody knows. One of the ushers did recognize me. I don't think he would have cared. I'm moving down. Mm-hmm. If there's an open seat, I think, first of all, if you wait for an entire first half, I get it, hey, 10 minutes and you can't sit in someone else's seats. But if after a half, you should be allowed to sit down. 100%. So is that good fathering, bad fathering? What do you think? No, that's 100% a good take, especially if it's in like the same sec, like the lower bowl. I mean, I guess it's a little different if you yeah. got all the way down. To the floor because I was gonna say, hey, yeah, being behind the net is not good unless you're like not, not Batia. Batia. I was no. gonna say that guy has good seats. Yeah, I don't think he's like, oh, this sucks being at this end of of the of the arena. But yeah, no, I think that's one hundred percent one acceptable and two a good parenting moment. Like that is good wisdom to impart to your children. Yeah, because my son was surprised. Was why are we sitting here now? I go, well, these are better seats. And he's like, what do you mean? I go, well, yeah, honestly, buddy, we paid for the tickets. Nobody's sitting here. It's okay. And he was confounded by it. And mm-hmm. then to your point, Ben, I got really aggressive. There's like, you know, the Raptors, it was a horrible game. They blew a big lead. There's like literally 40 seconds left. And I go, let's move down as close as we can. So then it was the platinum level. Of the third oh, nice. Seat. Just, just for the last 40 seconds. Just Whatever. so we could experience it just once. Yeah, fly close yeah. to the sun. What's the worst that can happen? It's certainly never burned anyone before. No. <laughs> okay, second second ticket oh. question for you guys. Congrats. Okay. Leafs beat the Flyers last night. Yeah, we're three. Okay, about nice that. win. Matthews is unbelievable. But more importantly, I took my son to the Flyers Kraken game this past Saturday. Mm-hmm. Now, I had not bought a Flyers jersey in a long time until, wait for it, Carter Hart a year ago. Oh, boy. So Ooh. now I said, okay, am I going to wear this jersey or not? So mm-hmm. I do wear the jersey there. I look oh. around. Fellas, there's not, there's not one Carter Hart jersey. Add them. Wow. You can't. Okay. Yeah. 
And I'm, I, but now I did wear a jacket over over, but in my head, I'm like, nah, whatever. So was what I did was jacket? I go to the team store to buy my. No, it was not a straight jacket. I did go to the team store to get my son because again, you have to bribe your kids. He's like, I want a jersey. I'm like, no problem, whatever you want, buddy. Stadium series, really cool. White Flyers jersey is great. Yeah, yeah. He wants a connecting jersey. Awesome. Oh, great. And I look on the back of my Carter Hart jersey, which I only bought a year ago. I still have the tags. I go, fantastic. Oh. I'll just exchange it. Yeah. This is such a weirdo. No one tippet jersey. That's amazing. Great. So I go up. I literally take the jersey up as I'm walking in. I go, hey, I'm going to get the, and my son wants a gritty doll. No, whatever you want, buddy. Great. He wants a gritty hat. So gritty hat, gritty doll. We got a new connecting jersey. I'll exchange it for the Carter Hart jersey, which was $260. Oh, my I God. I go up there, and she goes, oh, yeah, exactly. And she goes up there, she goes, are you trying to exchange this? I'm like, yeah. She looks at the back and goes, oh. I'm like, yeah, exactly. I'm not sure how this is going to turn out, so just in case, let's go ahead and get rid of it. And she goes, she, she goes when did you buy this? I didn't lie. I didn't tell the truth. I just go, well, it was a while ago. And she goes, <laughs> Because we don't really, we don't really carry the black this jersey in a while. I'm like, whatever, well, you know, I, I got it here. That is true. And she's like, I can only exchange it to you for twenty five dollars. Oh, <laughs> And I looked at her and I was like, I go, I paid two hundred sixty dollars. In my head, I know it was a year ago. I don't tell her a year ago. I go, I, listen, I paid two sixty. <laughs> and she goes, well, you know, it, it's been a while. And I, I go, am I being damaged by what he's done allegedly? And she goes, no, it's just because uh, you know, it, it's been a, it's been a while. Oh my god. So I said. All right, I, I guess I'll just wear the jersey. <laughs> oh! oh I gotta tell the story you, kept not, getting worse. Uh, oh my god! Not oh. what I, where I expected to land on that thing. I thought you're like, oh. well, what a loss I took, but had to be done. No, that's that's a hardcore man. Wow. <laughs> yeah, keep the jacket on though. Yeah, that's, that's okay. a yeah, that's yeah. a jacket only jersey. I think. Mm. Yeah. I, and I, you can't, right. can't from the front. From the front, you're fine. Just yeah. don't don't ever see what the jersey is in the back. We're fine. That's right. I I bet they've encountered that situation a couple of different times. I'm over actually the last shocked of weeks. they don't just have a sign. It's like, yeah. don't make me point to the sign that says you're getting 25 bucks for this thing, okay? Yeah, that is shocking. Oh, my God. Uh, anyways, let's talk about your, your Flyers team who uh, who came back and got a point out of that game after Austin Matthews put his elbow into their heads uh, in the second period with the natural hat trick um, and, and could have easily scored at least four goals in that hockey game on pace for now more than 70. Torts, I mean, we got our... our, our our first taste of torts uh, in this market this season. And yeah, he didn't disappoint calling it a dumb league. And this is, this kind of does feel like part of the playbook. Adnan is like off the hop. Like you get the torts bump. It doesn't last forever, yeah. but, but if, if, if you've been paying attention to his career, there's definitely something that happens early in the torts tenure. A thousand percent. And it often happens, but I think with most new coaches, right? Is whoever gets dismissed. The new coach comes in, obviously, we saw with Chris Knobloch and the Oilers, but the team really does get to take off. And they need to be very strategic about it and say, okay, when did they get fired? It's an easier part of their schedule. But specifically to Tortorella, you're right. It doesn't matter what the experience has been. Wherever he has been, you always get that bump initially. And then after three or four years, he wears it as welcome. It's too hostile. And like, you know, Ken Hitchcock or many, Mike Keaton, you can name other coaches like that. They just burn themselves out. But early on, there's no question that, that Torts is a winner. And you know, this is year two. Everyone thought the Flyers would be top five worst teams in the league, top ten for sure, not even sniffing the playoffs. And now, like, it'd be a surprise if they don't make the playoffs. They're, they're going to win that third spot in the Metro, barring a collapse, barring the Islanders or Devils playing much better hockey. And last time was a good example of Philly. It's like, you know, the Leafs are the better team. Like I said, Matthews is on pace for 71 goals, you know, first in Solani and McGillney since the early 90s. By the way, just as an aside, a friend of mine said the other day, how is McGillney not in the Hall of Fame? Which it's is another joke. question. Yeah, for I agree. Like, right? Isn't it? Isn't it insane?
saying? Like he said to me, I go, he's not in the Hall of Fame. Like and I look at him, I go, how is he not in the Hall of Fame? Like, look at his numbers, it's crazy that McGillie's on the Hall of Fame. Anyways, um, Leafs are the better team, but but as Turtle himself, if we got some fight in us, we get the point. You know, with the Carter Hart situation, it could have been a disaster. You know, they had that five game losing streak going into the All Star break, and I said, this is where the wheels come off. This is where the honeymoon is over. But classic torts, they take the break in the All Star break, come back, win four straight, and then last night still pick up a point. So. Uh, this is what great coaching in the league does, and I think he's going to be up for the Jack Adams, maybe with Paul Maurice with the Panthers, Rick Bonus with the Jets. Uh, certainly should get consideration because it's been a different team. Like I said, the Flyers as a playoff team, even to think about that at this point of the year, that's awfully surprising. Yeah, Tortorella, it's funny. I think a lot of people have done kind of 180s on him or, I don't know, maybe even 360s. Maybe they used to like it, then they didn't, and uh, now they're <laughs> back back to liking it. But, you know, I, I kind of want to transition to baseball a little, but well, sticking with Tortorella. You know, we know all sports are kind of copycat leagues to a certain extent, but then, you know, you also have somebody who wants to try the outlier, try something different. You know, obviously, a hockey coach and a baseball manager, they're night and day jobs in terms of, you know, what you ask of them, the temperament. But we're doing this thing in baseball now where it's a lot of, I won't even say players' managers. They're like owners' managers or front offices' managers. Do you think we'll see a world where we kind of see the pendulum swing the other way? And, you know, I don't know if it's a, like Joe Madden, a guy who's all like gut and feel and all that coming back. But Tortorella was kind of a departure from the type of coaches we had seen succeeding in the NHL. Do you think much like we see him having success in, in the NHL, we could see maybe, you know, ba- a baseball team kind of going the other way with their managerial hire as opposed to just the guy who's going to play it by the numbers and do what the front office asks? Yeah, it's a great question, Brett. I think that it's probably gone the way of the dinosaur in terms of a manager who only goes by God and is like a crazy disciplinarian. Like if it's like a Dick Williams type, I'm like, no, that guy's not getting hired <laughs> in today's baseball. But as far as a veteran name, we just saw with Bruce Bochy that there is a place for a Tortorella type in that you could say a veteran guy. Now, the mm-hmm. difference is I don't think anyone, I think Bruce Bochy comes across as very player friendly. You know, even though he's older and crotchety, he's not intense and a disciplinarian like Tortorella is. So that's the difference. But I do think Bochy being hired is a real signal that, hey, we don't have to just hire guys with an Ivy League background who are 42 years old and are going to listen to every single analytics that the front office gives them. Like Bruce Bochy clearly is invested in the team and has a say and was able to push his guys in ways that other I don't managers would have been able to, you know, but by virtue of the fact, you know, in the clinching game, right. He let Evaldi stay in through several jams. I mean, I think a younger manager or manager without that kind of tenure, like he would have gotten the hook with three innings into the game. So that to me is an example of where baseball does say, Hey, there is a spill spot for the older manager. And even Dusty Baker, like, you know, I don't think anyone says, Hey, Dusty, that guy's a real forefront of the analytics revolution. Again, I don't think he's tough and crotchety. I think he's still a player's manager, but the guy's in his seventies and mm-hmm. baseball still finds a place for him. So I, I do think that those older managers, I wouldn't necessarily they become unvogue again, but there's still a place for them. But yeah, generally speaking, when you, you look at where the managers are being hired, it's the younger guys and it's the ones who are kind of willing to follow what the front office has to say. So here we are. Uh, Everybody is reported as far as pitchers and catchers are concerned to spring training across Major League Baseball. Full squad reporting dates are next week. And Cody Ballinger, Matt Chapman, Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery, none of them have homes yet. I mean, just to to name a few. And I guess this is not unexpected because they're all Boris clients and he's done this before. He's gone beyond the mandatory reporting date for full squads before guys like uh, Bryce Harper have signed and Manny Machado have signed. So uh, I guess nobody's freaking out over this, although Rob Manfred was asked about it and he said, hey, this is something in CBA negotiations we brought forth. And the PA said, thanks, but no thanks. A two-week window in December where it's, it's the free agent signed then and, and it's over. 
Is it a bad thing for baseball that those guys don't have a home yet? I don't think it's great, man. I know Rob Manfred, the commissioner, was asked about it. Rob announced he's going to step down when his term ends in 2029. Like, I think the best way, fellas, is when the most action happens in December. I really do. Like, I think the season ends. I think November's a nice time for award season, and you kind of celebrate the excellence. And then in December, you say, okay, what's going to happen now? And I think if you have a really strong flurry of activity in December leading into the holiday break, that's fantastic. And then in January, you've got the Hall of Fame, and then February, pitchers and catchers report, where we go. Like, I, I have no problem with it being staggered. I'm not saying it has to be like the NBA and the NHL, where it's, you feel like seemingly everything gets done in 72 hours. Like, I don't like that either. But I do think it's incredibly frustrating. We're sitting here, as you said, Ben, pitchers and catchers have reported. And, and the biggest names have not signed. That's crazy to me that Snell and Montgomery and Bellinger and Chapman are still out there. And, it, and it's a little frustrating. Now, <clears throat> I get it. Scott Boris says, listen, I'm going to hold out and make sure you guys get the most money possible, and you'll stay in shape. You're going to have your own regimen. And in the past, it was like, i got to get to my team. i got to get sorted out. i got to get into shape. And you're already in shape. These guys are training year-round. Like, Boris has his own, you know, pitchers throwing to these hitters. Like, Don, he's got his own catchers catching Snell, Montgomery, et cetera. So it's like, you're going to be in shape no matter what. Don't worry about that. And as far as acclimating to your team, like everyone says spring training is too long anyways. So as long as you sign by March 1st, March 8th, who cares? Like, you just meet the guys. All right, let's go, boys. Let's go get it done. So I, I don't necessarily agree with that philosophy. I'm the type that I would want. I was talking to Mike Lowell about it, former World Series MVP. And Mike said only one time he was a free agent, he signed, like, early November. He's like, I, I don't want the stress. I, don't, I just want to know where I'm going. I want to get settled, get an apartment, get my family settled. So it, it's definitely a tactic that I don't think helps the game. I don't think it's ideal for the fans. I think at this point we should be focusing on the teams and what's happening in the spring training rather than saying, where are these guys going to sign? But – it's not changing anytime soon as long as Scott Boris has the kind of clout he has. And by the way, if those guys all get taken care of the way he believes them to, then his strategy worked. If it ends up being Snell signs a two-year deal with a opted after one year, then that's not what they're looking for, right? These guys all wanted six, seven-year deals in the 200 millions of dollars. We'll see if it happens. Yeah, I think the most frustrating part of it is that there's no fix, right? Like, we think it's bad this year. At least we, and, you know, it was too much at times for me specifically, but at least we had the Otani saga to bleed us through the entirety of the winter. We've had years where this happens, and there's no big sexy story, but there's also no fix. Like, I would love to sit here and say you have to have a drop-dead date, but that's you can't do that. That's completely unfair to the players and nukes their bargaining position. I think the most frustrating part about this from a kind of fan perspective and not normally when we say fan perspective, we're talking about a specific team, but I think this is fans of the sport is that there's no fix. There's no mechanism you can use because again, like just putting an arbitrary deadline, it just kills all the players. Well, you're going to say like, Oh, now you have to sit out the whole year. Right. If you don't sign before the, yeah, the what, deadline. What would be better for baseball? <laughs> Blake Snell eventually pitching or just not at all. Right. Like that, that's the most frustrating part for me is that there's no, there's no real fix that I, I can see. No, you're totally right, Brad. There is no fix because how could you punish a player for wanting to be on the best possible situation for himself? And again, we're going to see what happens. The proof is going to be in the pudding. Will Bellinger get, I believed all along that a fair deal was five years for 125. And apparently Boris and company have wanted like seven years, 210, 225, 230. You know, bit of a gap there. I thought, right? Isn't that insane? Like the Blake sale, I thought to me, I said, you know, six years, 150. 25 million a year for this guy. He's five and dive. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like that's so pretty good. And it's like, no, he wants at least $200 million. So we're going to find out. Will Boris say, okay, I'll take the six one fifty from the Yankees, you know, Rodon esque money for Blake Snell or go, nope, I'm going to go two year deal. high AAV. And we'll figure this out. Cause again, 
I can just imagine as a player, I'm looking to get paid. I'm looking to get that cost certainty. Of these four guys, not every single guy is going to get a six- and seven-year deal. Of those four, I'm going to say Chapman probably gets like a smaller deal, two-year yeah. deal, high AAV, and let's, let's just see how things go. But it's, um, it's surprising. It really is. that it's This late in the game, these guys still haven't signed. Yeah, it's, it's not ideal. Uh, last one before we let you go. Uh, so the Blue Jays have, and, and Ross Atkins basically admitting yesterday that we're done. We're done here. Like maybe it's a it's a minor addition. Eduardo Escobar coming in as a minor league free agent and a camp invitee, but we're we're not involved in any big-name free agents. So this is it. Like, how, how do you view this Blue Jays team uh, compared to the rest of the American League East who I, I guess could make one of those additions, but, uh, or maybe just comparing this Blue Jays roster to the one that won 89 games and no playoff games a season ago? Well, in a word, it's deeply unsatisfying. I mean, to go from Shohei Otani, two words, sorry, to go from Shohei Otani potentially to saying Justin Turner and Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. I mean, with all respect, I hope those guys have monster seasons, but I see Kiner-Falefa and I see a guy who's good defensively, who can play a variety of positions, who's going to have a 660 OPS. And I look at Justin Turner and I go, all right, he's going to hit 20 home runs and maybe 80 RBI and hit 270. Like, okay, that's decent. It's all right. Like, I'll take that for $13 million, but that's it. This is what we're doing. Um, I think they needed a lot more offensively. And, and I listen, I kept holding out hope as a supporter of the Blue Jays that they were going to get Bellinger. I said, God, this makes so much sense. A lefty power bat at Rogers Center. You put him in that lineup with Vlad and Bowen. This team is going to sing. He's great defensively as well. So for Atkins to come on, go, no, no, we're done. Like, I'm like, that's, uh, I think, underwhelming at the very least for the Blue Jays. And again, if you look at the rosters now, you stack them up and you go, okay. Orioles are 100 wins again. Although it's interesting. I looked at fan graphs the other day. I think they have them regressing quite a bit. They're down to like 92 wins, which mm. is like a drop of nine wins, which is significant. But to me, I'm like, they've got that great young core that continues to develop. They just got Burns, who's a top 10 pitcher in baseball. And Jackson Holiday is supposed to be an absolute stud and already a front runner for rookie of the year. So anyways, the O's aren't going anywhere. 95 wins plus. The Rays, no matter what, always win 90-95 wins plus. The Yankees added Stroman, who I do like a lot, prior to his second half when he got banged up. First half, he was a candidate for the Cy Young, made the All-Star team again. Oh, and they got Juan Soto, who was a top five hitter in baseball. And then you got the Jays with Turner and I see kind of Falefa being added. I, again, I don't mean to mock. Maybe the rest of those, maybe Vlad has a big bounce back here. Maybe Manoa bounces back and you get some more wins there. But honestly, I'd be pretty frustrated if I was a Blue Jays fan. Yep, I think you just encapsulated uh, the majority of uh, Blue Jays fan sentiment uh, about this offseason. It doesn't mean that they can't go out and win 100 games this season. Just, uh, yeah, underwhelming, to say the least. Adnan, you are always overwhelming. You've overwhelmed us today once again, buddy. (laughs) Thanks. Have a great weekend. Thanks, man. Thank you, Brent. Always try to over-deliver and enjoy family day. Always oh. a great holiday in Canada. Good old family day. I will. I'll enjoy it at work because we're working it. But yeah, yeah we'll, we'll enjoy it. <laughs> My family will enjoy it. See you, buddy. <laughs> See you, guys. Adnan Verk, MLB Network and the Cinephile Podcast. Can I just read a text from the text line? Mm-hmm. This is Horror Peas Radio from Adnan Verk. Uh, related to the Carter Hart tech uh, story he told us. Okay. Uh, it's just, I, I still, can't, like, I know we had a great conversation with him. I still can't believe that happened. <sighs> It's um, it's a rough one, <laughs> I, and especially for a man of means like Adnan to well, not just like the best take the loss. Well, the best part of it is that again, you know, he talked about not lying to the wonderful employee in the Flyers team shop, but he could have just not lied to us and ended the story with that and not right. said, "And I went back out there in, in my, my Carter Hart jersey." jersey. Oof, can't. Can't be doing that. God love you, Adnan. <laughs> Can't do that. <laughs> Keep the jacket on. Uh, Even in Philly, they're like, hey, that's classless. Yeah. Oof.
I, I mean, looking around that arena, I can't imagine there were too many people wearing Carter Hart jerseys. Yeah, I don't think so. I like dirty merch. I think, I think the Flyers should probably, if they don't have a policy in place, should probably invoke a policy where... Well, give one, get one. Yeah, yeah. like an exchange program and... You know. Yeah, hey, connect me. Yeah, <laughs> anyway. Gritty. <laughs> <laughs> Great to hear from Adnan either way. Always good. Horrible decision. Always good. Awful decision. Thank you for telling us, though. Like, I cannot stress that enough. All right, this is the Fan Morning Show. Fan Anna Sprint Gunning, Sportsnet 590 Fan. Good morning. morning.